pretty sure we're not going to make it all the way through what I had planned, but uh, we'll, we'll see how close we can get. Uh, but John chapter 4, as we continue walking through John's gospel to us, remember the purpose that John wrote this gospel. He said that he wrote this gospel so that we would know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we would have life in his name. That's the purpose. That's the reason we are studying uh, this gospel together so that we would know who Jesus is. He is the Christ, the Messiah, and that he is the Son of God and that by believing in him, we could have life in his name. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that even as we get ready to study your word, God, that you prepare our hearts. God, I pray that you would uh, prepare us now, Lord. Help us to focus on you. God, that you would get us ready to hear from you. God, that you would get, get us ready to, to see you this morning. God, to, that you would move in our hearts. God, that you would change our hearts, that you would change our lives. God, that you would change our church and change our homes. God, that you would move in a way that we know that when we've left here today, God, that we have met with the, the, the Most High God, that we have met with the one who can truly do all these things we ask. And so, Lord, I pray that you be with us. Help us as we walk through your word. God, to hear from you. Help me to preach well. God, help me to teach well. Help me to, to be true to your word. Give me the words to speak. And give us the, the ears to hear and the hearts to obey, God. We need your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 4. As I, as I was thinking about this passage, I couldn't help but think about our little dog this week, uh, Lulu. Y'all, don't, I'm, y'all may know Lulu. You may not know Lulu. You probably actually don't know her because if you ever come over to the house, she stays in the cage. The reason Lulu stays in the cage is because Lulu can't mind. If we let Lulu out of the cage, she's going to jump on you and she's probably going to get your feet wet by the time she just gets so excited to see new people and she just can't help herself. And so we put her in this cage. We don't even have her yet. We didn't get back in time to get her back from Dr. Bell yesterday. And so, uh, you know, she's not even at the house. It's been pleasant. No, you know, noise in the house. But no, we miss our dog terribly. But anyway, so Lulu, she has this little cage, and it's, she's boxed in. When people come over, she's in there, and she's looking out, and she can't see anything. And, and it's about, it's not a whole lot bigger than she is, and she likes to wag her tail, so the whole thing's moving back and forth. It's making all this noise. And no matter how hard she tries, she's trapped. She is stuck. And, and as I've studied John 4 this week, and as I've thought about the, the passage that we're looking at, and thought about the lady we're going to look at, I thought, how similar is this lady that we're going to look at in John chapter 4 to poor little Lulu trapped in her cage. You see, Jesus is going to find this woman who is trapped. She is trapped behind all these different things, all these things that block her from getting to Jesus, block her from the relationships in her life, all these walls that she has put up, these walls that the world has put up, all these walls that her sin has put up, so that she's trapped. And what's going to happen is Jesus is going to meet this woman at the well in Samaria and he's going to dismantle her cage. He's going to tear down those walls and and invite her into a real and a lasting and a satisfying relationship with himself. And so this morning I want to talk to us. I want us to look at this passage of scripture from the standpoint of that Jesus breaks down our walls. He breaks down our walls. Uh, We see this beginning in verse 1. Of John chapter 4. It's John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, verse 3, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. 
and he went and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And so what we see in this first passage that we look at here, these separations, these man-made distinctions, these man-made differences, if you will, between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. She does what we have a tendency to do, which is separate ourselves based on things that we can see with our eyes, things that we can uh, observe and notice and say, okay, well, this is what makes me different from you. The first thing is it's geography. Her and Jesus are different geographically speaking. She's from a place called Samaria. He's from, he's from Israel. He's from Nazareth. He's a Jewish man. He's from a completely different country in that sense. Remember, the Samaritans are the ones who, uh, when uh, the Israel had been split off into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom had been taken over by Assyria, and when Assyria came in, they had them intermarry with all these other races so that the Jewish people looked at Samaritans as a mixed race. Well, they had this little piece of land then in between uh, southern uh, Israel and northern Israel called Samaria after everything's all said and done. Well, so the Jewish people, if they lived in the northern part and wanted to get to the southern part in Jerusalem, had to go through Samaria. The only thing is that the Jewish people that were devout, they wouldn't go through Samaria. They would walk three days around Samaria just not to go through this part of town. Like they are literally from the wrong side of the track. They are right in the middle. They are this huge burden. They are these, the, these people that they dislike so much, they would rather walk three extra days on a three-day journey just to go around this country. I don't think there's a whole lot of love between these two groups of people, do you? I mean, if you're, I, I don't know about y'all, but I don't, I don't want to walk one day somewhere much less walk three extra days. That's how devoted the Jewish people were to not rubbing elbows with the Samaritans. They would walk three extra days just so that they could go around this country. And so this woman sees Jesus sitting there. He says, hey, give me a drink of water. And she says, what are you doing talking to me? I'm from Samaria. You're a Jew. There's, you were born in a different part of town than I am. We're from different sides of the tracks. But there's more to it than that. Not only that... There would have been the political differences. You can imagine them, the, the competition that there would have been between these two different, basically, nations at this point uh, for jobs and for money and these different things. You know they would have backed different candidates. You, you can imagine Republicans and Democrats sitting down together. Like I mean, I mean this is what's going on here. She is saying, I'm a com- from a completely different background, politically speaking, than you are. We don't talk to each other. Like I said, they they hate each other, not just politically speaking, but also socially speaking. She says, what are you doing, a Jewish man, talking to me, a a Samaritan woman? The rabbis, the the Jewish men, they didn't talk to women. Like they, They just refused to talk to women. They would never be caught in public talking to women, much less a Samaritan woman. And so in this woman's mind... There are all these distinctions, all these differences between her and Jesus. 
There's all these reasons that her and Jesus should not be having a conversation. She is saying to him, we are too different. We are too far apart. There are too many walls between me and you. There are too many things that make me different than you for you to come and speak to me. And so she's in her mind, everything she can see with her eyes tells her that Jesus should not be talking to her. As they have this conversation, she is saying, I'm from over there, you're from over here, we don't get along, therefore you shouldn't be sitting beside me, you definitely shouldn't be talking to me. To which Jesus says, I don't care. I don't care where you're from. I, I came through Samaria. John tells us that he said, I, it says that he had to go through Samaria. Jesus chose to go through Samaria. It's not as if he accidentally made his way to Samaria and said, oh, we made a wrong turn on the interstate. No, he actually meant to end up at this well, at this place, to speak to this woman. But in her mind, there's no reason for them to be speaking. They're from different nations. They're from different sides of the tracks. They're from different political points of view. Everything about what's going on here is wrong from a man's uh, perspective, from what this woman could see with her eyes. Everything is upside down. But Jesus sits down and he spends time with this woman. And so th think about this. Like I said, the, the rabbis wouldn't speak to, to women in public or women at all. And here, he's talking to this lady, but he doesn't just talk to her, he has a conversation with her. You know, in the Gospels, we read where, John, or where Jesus has conversations with people. The longest conversation that we have recorded is this one. There are more words between this woman and Jesus than between any Jesus and any other person in the Gospels. He's not in a hurry. He's not trying to hide the fact he's talking to her. He's very open with the fact he is talking to the Samaritan woman. He's open to the fact that he cares about her and that he wants to have a conversation with her and wants to hold a conversation with her. In spite of all the things that she looks at and she says, there's no reason for you to, he wants to. Guys, as we look at our lives and we look at who we are, we look at where we're from, we look at you know the family we came from, we look at where we were born, we look at all these different things and we say, you know what? There's no reason for Jesus to talk to me. He still wants to. He still wants to have a part in our, uh, in our life. In spite of all the man-made distinctions, in spite of all the, the walls that we try to put up between us and him, he comes and he says, hey, I want to talk to you. And so Jesus breaks through her man-made dis distinctions or her man-made uh, differences. Secondly, he breaks through her painful past, or in fact, he uses her painful past, if you will, to get to her heart and get to what's actually going on in her life. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so her response to Jesus saying, give me a drink, is his, he, she says, who are you to ask me or who am I that you would ask me? He says, no, you don't understand who I am. You don't understand who it is that's talking to you. This is, we see this over and over again. People think that it's about who they are and Jesus says, no, it's actually about who I am. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's saying, listen, lady, there's something going on here that you don't even begin to understand. There's something so much more than water. You see, she's missing it. Everybody in the Gospels miss it. They always think that Jesus is talking physical and they miss the spiritual side of what he's trying to teach them. So verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. It's interesting. She actually asks the right question, doesn't she? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He is. How are you going to give me water? Are you really that much greater than the one who dug the well to begin with, who gave us this water? Actually, he is. Where do you get this living water from? I don't see a bucket. Look, I got a bucket. I'm going to get some water. You ain't got a bucket. Where's your water coming from? You might be a little crazy, sir. Like You, you can imagine the, the context of what this lady's thinking. Like, do you really think that you can give me water? You don't even have a bucket. And so she, so she makes this mistake. And look at verse 13. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. And that's true, right? It doesn't matter how much water you drink, you're going to be thirsty again. You may think, I've drank enough water. Finally, I can relax. You know, I've got a Route 44 Sonic drink right in front of me. I'm done, right? Until like two hours later, and you're ready for another one, right? And so it just happens over and over again. Everybody who drinks of this water is going to be thirsty again. It's just going to happen. But verse 14, Jesus says, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And so this is interesting. Jesus says if you take a drink of my water, you'll get a well inside of you. Which is kind of a, a weird phrase and we'll talk about this as we move on as he talks about the holy spirit and he talks about the the well of water that the holy spirit brings but 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 he says if you drink the water i'm giving you you will finally be satisfied right regular water will never satisfy you the physical will never satisfy you what jesus is offering this woman will satisfy you forever this is of eternal satisfaction it sounds really good doesn't it like, lady, you've been thirsty your whole life. You'll never thirst again. And he's trying to teach her something. She still doesn't get it, though, right? In verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's like, so give me the Wellmatic 2000, dude. Like, I don't want to have to come and draw water anymore. Like, I really don't want to have to drag this bucket up here every day, fill it up with water, and take it home. Can you imagine how inconvenient? Like, we have a hard time unloading the dishwasher. Imagine having spending like most, there's people all over our country, our world today, guys, who spend half their day getting water. How inconvenient! How troubling that must be, you know. But this lady says, "Hey, I want that. I'm down. I don't want to have to come and dig water anymore. I don't have to come and draw water anymore. I don't have to put this bucket down in the well and then bring it back up and and, and do this, all, you know, every single day. I would love to never be thirsty again. This sounds like a win to me." Like you've sold me. You know, she's trying to call the, the number right now, you know, like on QVC or something. But, but she, she wants it. She wants this water. But then Jesus in verse 16. And this is where he uses her past pain to really get at the heart of what's going on. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Jesus has this amazing ability as if he's God or something, right? 
to look at people's hearts and see what we really need. To understand the real issue. This lady thinks her problem is that she's physically thirsty. And what Jesus is saying to her is your problem is not the fact you had to come dig water or draw water every day. Your problem is, is that you've been looking for satisfaction everywhere else instead of the one place that you can truly find it. She had been thinking that these men would satisfy her, that these men would give her comfort, that these men would be what she needed. And they all came up short. They all came up short of what she actually needed. And so she has begun to come to the well in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, because if she goes in the morning when all the other ladies goes, she has to listen to all of their little comments and all the little ways that they would make fun of her and run her down and talk about her past sins and talk about her pain of, of uh, these guys who have done her wrong. And, and so she has to listen to all of the little giggles behind her back and all these things going on. And so she decides to come when nobody else comes because she doesn't, she's unable to even go when the other women go. She doesn't even have a relationship with the other women in her village. Like she has no one except for this dude that she's living with who's not even her husband. And so she has a life of broken relationships, of seeking out satisfaction and finding out that every day she just has to draw water back up out of the well. Her drawing water up out of the well is a picture of what she's doing spiritually. She gets, a little bit of, she gets a little bit of relief, but she's thirsty again tomorrow. And so Jesus, he's, he's doing this not to shame her. He's doing it not to hurt her, but to prove to her that what she's been doing doesn't work. That what she's been doing will never satisfy the hole that is in her heart. That will never satisfy that desire, that thirst. She, is a th she has a thirsty soul. She doesn't just have a thirsty mouth. Yes, she's thirsty physically, but she's so much more thirsty spiritually. And guys, it's true for all of us. Jesus, sometimes he has to shock us. Not sometimes, almost all the time. And to get to the point. So often we think our problem is that we're thirsty. When the real problem is, is that we're spiritually thirsty. And he takes our sins, he takes our pain, and he says, listen, you see this right here? You see this problem in your life? This actually isn't the problem. It's a symptom of the real problem, which is you wanting satisfaction, which is you wanting happiness outside of him. See, see, the problem is, guys, we, we want to say that, that our problem is, is what well, was the way I was raised or is the family I was raised in or is it because I was raised without money or is it because I was raised with money or is it because my parents spooled me or is it because my parents didn't spool me or is it because my parents spanked me or my parents didn't spank me or because of this person or that person. And we have all these different excuses and all these different reasons for the thirst in our soul. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. None of those things are the answer. The only answer is the eternal life, the, the water that he offers, this spiritual water, this spiritual satisfaction. And so the, 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 the heart of the problem is that we want to continue going after the other stuff when what we ought to be going in is after him. And so he breaks through her walls, through her painful past. And we come to verse 19, and we see that she does what we like to do. The woman said to her, him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. I would bet that we probably spend more time on this part of the passage than just about any of the rest sometimes. And it's because of the, the, the version that it gives. 
I mean, think, think about this. This guy has just said, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five, and the one you're living with isn't, isn't actually your husband. And she says, so what mountain should we worship on? Why does she do that? Because she doesn't want to hear what he has to say. She wants a distraction. She wants a doctrinal dispute. I, I love the way that we do this. We, we hear what God is trying to tell us. We hear that God wants to change our hearts. But instead of hearing what he actually wants to say to us, we try to figure out a way to distract ourselves. We sometimes do this through TV or video games or whatever. But from a spiritual standpoint, a religious standpoint, we, we do this through all kinds of other ways. I, I remember a guy, he was, he was uh, running around on his wife. But what he really didn't like was the fact the preacher didn't wear a suit on Sunday. And I was like, do you not see the problem here, buddy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I had another couple who didn't even believe the Bible was God's Word, but they were mad because the lid on the Lord's Supper uh, tray jiggled a little bit. Like, we, we, we focus on the things that don't matter so that we don't actually hear from the Lord. We would much rather argue over service times and over the way that we worship, over the types of songs that we sing, over whether or not we use the hymnals. We'd much rather argue over those things than what God is actually calling us to change about our heart, than what God is actually calling us to obey Him in. We'd much rather discuss these doctrinal, deep doctrinal issues that God doesn't even address in the Bible than actually address the things that are in our hearts. Let's be honest, guys. We, we come to church most of the time because we want to hear how we're right and they're all wrong. I mean, the people who get the maddest are not the people out there. The people who get the maddest people who come in here and expect a cheerleading section because we're right, and if they were right, they'd be in here too. But the truth is, is God wants to change our hearts. We didn't come here this morning because they need a heart change. We came here this morning because we need our hearts changed. And until we come in with that mindset and that attitude, we're going to be like this lady arguing over stuff that doesn't matter. Jesus is going to answer her question. I mean, she's, he's going to tell her that she's wrong, which is funny. I mean, he still he tells her that she's wrong, but that's not ultimately his point. I, I think it's amazing. Like, he, here's this woman sitting here who's had five husbands. The guy she's living with now isn't her husband. That's not what he gets at. His, he gets at the fact that God is actually seeking her to worship him. Look at verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. He says you don't worship on a mountain, you worship from your heart. And so until we get there, we're not going to get it. He wants us to actually worship Him from the inside, not just through rituals and traditions. He wants us to actually love Him and not pretend like it. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to sit around arguing about stuff that doesn't matter. He wants us to actually follow Him and serve Him and worship Him. And so He says, listen, woman. He says, woman. I, I love that. That's a biblical thing. I say in my house all the time. Woman. My wife loves it too, I think. She loves me. Y'all pray for her. But anyway, but she was trying to, to get it off of her. She was trying to push it off and say, hey, why don't you argue with our scholars? I perceive you're a preacher, and i got a question for you. And as a scholar, what do you say to our scholars? And he says, listen, that's not the issue. The issue is, is that God is seeking you to worship Him 
for real. He's saying don't hide behind where you're from. Just because you're from Samaria doesn't mean you can't worship Him. Don't hide behind what you've done. Think about this. Jesus, He lays it all out there. He's saying to her, I know everything you've done. Don't He love that? And He doesn't yell at her. He doesn't get mad at her. He doesn't even lecture her. He's just saying, I know who you are. And lady, God is seeking you to worship Him. So don't hide behind where you're from. Don't hide behind who you are or what you've done. Don't even hide behind what you believe. Because Jesus is about to change all that. He's about, about to change what she believes. Look at, look at verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. She knows the Christ is coming. She knows the Savior's coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Her whole world changes right here. She meets the Savior. She thought it was about where she was from. She thought it was about what she had done. She thought it was about what she believed. But really all it's about is trusting on the Lord Jesus as her Savior. See, this is, this is what it comes down to. We, we want to hide behind all these different things and we want to pretend we want to put ourselves in a little box like my little dog and shake around and pretend like we really want to get out. But the truth is, what we're doing is we're making excuses. We don't want God in our hearts. We don't want God in our lives. We don't want that relationship to grow with Him. So we say, God, I can't. You know who I am. God, I can't. You know what I did. God, I can't. I can't understand all that. And Jesus says, God, he says the hour has now come that God is seeking worshipers to worship him in spirit and truth. Hear what he says to this lady. The whole time she'd been running after men thinking that's where the answers were, God of the universe had been running after her saying, here I am. The one sitting in front of her was the only man she needed, the God-man who had come to change her heart and give her real satisfaction give her real joy that doesn't go away, to, to quench that thirst so that she'll never be thirsty again. You see, what Jesus is offering to her is what he's offering to you. Guys, this world's going to offer you all kinds of stuff and say, hey, this is going to quench your thirst. It's going to make you feel better. And it may. It may quench your thirst all the way till Friday. But you're going to be thirsty again. The only one who can ever truly quench your thirst is the one who's seeking you to worship Him this morning. Seeking you to worship Him right now. Not through some dead ritual, not through some you know, tradition or something like that. He's calling you to worship Him through spirit and truth. To say, to just lay yourself bare and say, Lord, I can't do it. I don't have anything to offer you. All I can do is come to you. You see, Jesus, the way that He ultimately quenches this woman's thirst and the way that He can offer to us living water is that He goes from this well and eventually he goes to Jerusalem and in Jerusalem he dies on a cross and when he dies on that cross you guys remember what he says when he dies on the cross he says it is finished the work is done I've paid the price there's nothing left for them to pay there's nothing left for them to do but simply trust on Jesus that's what he's calling you to this morning this lady, we, we learn, as, if you read the, the rest of the passage, and we'll, we'll maybe look at it maybe a little bit next week, I don't know, but, but it says that she, she leaves her water jar with Jesus and runs into town to tell everybody, hey, let me tell you about the guy who told me everything I ever did. Let me tell you about the guy who changed my life. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. 
She goes from running from God to running for God. She goes from running from God towards the worldly satisfaction to running for Jesus because He has satisfied her in her heart. Guys, He's offering to you a new way to live this morning. A, a way to live that's not based on what this world offers, that's not based on anything this world can give you, but based on the one who died in your place. And he says that if you will confess your sins, if you will come and you will ask him to save you, he'll save you, he'll forgive you, and he'll put in you a well of eternal water that will satisfy you forever. Quit running after all that other stuff and run after him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the way that uh, you just offer to us, God, things that we could never get on our own. God, the way that you offer to us eternal satisfaction when everything we want is against you. Lord, I pray that we would turn to you this week. God, I pray that we would turn to you, turn to you right now. God, as, even as in our rebellious state, God, we're trying to give you excuses and reasons why this particular passage does not speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would meet every excuse that we have with your answer. Lord Jesus, would you speak to us the way that you spoke to this woman at this well? And God, would you use our pain, would you use our sin to show us where we need to turn back to you and follow after you? God, we need your help in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys would stand with us, we're going to sing.